Hello there, Vitamizers. Welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast. I'm Allison here in Austin, Texas, actually in Austin this week with Slenderella. And of course, your hosts for the show are Nurse Doza and Baldo Garza with Tex-Mex Yogi. Uh, these guys have an incredible guest, and I know I say that every time, but I mean it every single time. This woman is wonderful. She's been a friend of us for a while now, and we finally got her to sit down and do her own episode with us. But before I introduce her, the How Do You Health podcast is brought to you by Slenderella. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creator started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is recorded at MSW Lounge. MSW Lounge is located in Westlake Hills in Austin, Texas. They provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. This podcast is sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. Today's guest is Christina Wise. Christina is a serial entrepreneur in town. She's been in several different industries, but now she is the founder of Wealthy Wealthy. They talk about financial health as well as wellness. So hence the name. And if you look at the title of this podcast, you'll see that Wealthy Wealthy is spelled two different ways. Um, but yeah, super intelligent woman, knows her stuff, obviously. Um, but just really kind and willing to share her information with us. So I'm excited that the boys finally got her to sit down during the happy hour that she hosted at MSW Lounge on Friday and chat with them for a bit. Here is Christina Wise on the How Do You Health podcast. Well, welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. Uh, we're getting close to 100 episodes, so really excited to have Christina Wise here with us because she's like my best friend now. And and I love you so much. And we're going to be talking about, well, the title of today's podcast is The Wealthy of Healthy. I like that title a lot. Um, but uh, uh, we got Nurse Doza here. We're going to talk vitamins. We're going to talk health. We're going to talk business. We're going to talk a little bit of all the things wealthy and healthy. So let's get this party started. You're about to give a mastermind, I guess, daily or no, healthy happy hour starting in a little bit where you decided that you wanted to 
have a like-minded set of people focus on the idea of creativity, health, wellness talk, entrepreneur, business talk. You graciously picked our place to make that happen, and I couldn't be more honored because I do feel like what we've created in this room is opening to that, right, and welcoming. And I know it started probably the like couple times ago when you got here, and I can tell the viewers, listeners, uh, you got an IV, and uh, I remember I was kind of like, this is a cool concept, like we should have more of this. And then you came by two weeks ago, and I have to tell people this because it's an incredible, incredible story. Like, Christina has been through ups and downs, and I, I'm, if you've listened to her podcast, she might have shared some of this. I don't know. I haven't listened to all the episodes, but Christina is a is a badass. Let's just say it, right? And that's what I say. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I say. I'm. I always say I'm very lucky for Christina to be my friend, and and I'm really lucky to be hers. And it's incredible because it's just when you are around Christina, you 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 feed off her energy. You have great energy, and when you were in this room, you were telling us some things that I kind of asked. I was like, I want Christina kind of like you know off the record, off. You know, like you don't have to be on for us today. And I had some of the best ideas come out of that conversation that I've had in a long time. And it was very simple approaches. And I had, it, like I talked to Baldo, we went to ACL that night. And I know that we were rushing out yeah. to get out here. So we want to go see Tom York. And uh, you, you saw us. Like we were mad dashing to throw everything out. And then we said, okay, well, now we're going to go uh, try to go see our favorite you know, musician. We did. And then when we got done, we started talking about you. Which was incredible. Honestly, that's where it came yeah. down to. And we have this special place with ACL because it's where we jump-started our whole yeah. idea <laughs> of this, of this whole idea of this room and everything. And uh, I just kept smiling because I learned more from that one conversation with you that Friday than I had in a long time, probably since your last seminar, but like your wealth of knowledge. And the fact that you decided you wanted to invest into your health after all these years to keep you building your own personal wealth, I think is a fascinating story. So in a condensed way, <laughs> if, if, possible. if possible, could you give the listeners a very short rundown of what makes you a badass? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I think where we're going is that you know, many of us have had a health crisis. And how much of health crisis comes from living these unsustainable, stressful, entrepreneurial lifestyles. Mm -hmm. So what I did and what I found for so many others now is we really trade our health for wealth in this game of achievement, success, building our businesses, and we're just going and going and going and going. And I did that same thing. I, I was just really living an unsustainable lifestyle without any awareness that our bodies can break. <laughs> And mine broke. So that's where I am now. More than once. More than once, yeah. yes. So it's really finding that what I call, it's, there's no such thing as balance, but I call it balancing, where we're always, like our bodies are always working for that place of homeostasis, you know, try to ground and find that place of quote-unquote balance. But it means there's always ups and downs, there's ebbs and flows. We're always balancing. We're a little off-center there, we correct it, then we're a little off-center somewhere else, and we correct it. And that's the beauty of life, is this constant correction, if you will, that when we can live in a place of knowing there's no there to, to get there and end this journey of wealth and creation, it's about integration. 
Yeah. And how do we integrate all these different concerns, family concerns, business concerns, making money concerns, our health concerns, friendship concerns? How do we integrate those into one life story? Yeah, well, and, and then at the same time still be able to bounce back and fight another day because you figure this out now. It's like just because I've achieved this doesn't mean something else is coming out that you know, one thing I'm going to expect and then two, that I won't be able to handle because I'm basically knowing how to take care of myself every day, little something every day to basically build off of withstanding life stressors. And I think if anyone's ever talked to you and like I said, been able to hear your story, I have been kind of floored to figure out like, you know, like, well, you came from nothing pretty much. Right. And then the idea that you also, uh, uh, built, something that's long sustaining that you're passing along to us which is incredible i think that um your seminars your podcasts your your conversations like you know anyone that's come encounter with you i it, you're a financial coach but you're much more than that right like it, it's almost belittling to call you a life coach right but it's it's true right like you're in every aspect of you know one of your clients lives right yeah well that was part of say one-third of my adulthood was since I came from such impoverished poor background that was my first passion was to figure out the money thing yeah. it was all about making money making money making money and I ended up making a really nice income and then I found myself in this life situation where I was divorced a single mom no kids my business broke apart it's 100% commission and I couldn't pay my life bills and I couldn't feed my kids and that was that first moment is that head scratcher, the two by four, and being in complete life crisis, existential despair, couldn't pay my bills, and finding myself in the same situation where I grow up, where I'm a charity case, and and my children are looking at me, can you feed me, mom? Like, where's the food? So I felt like just a total failure as a mother. And how did I get here? I worked so hard. I made these high end. It's high income. So that once I picked myself up <laughs> up off the floor from that moment, it took me on this discovery process of okay what I was doing didn't work and so what is it even though I made a high income and I spent all that time trying to earn a high income why am I broke and so that on that learning journey what I learned is income and wealth are two different things yep. and how much money we make doesn't really matter I mean it does but it doesn't sure so that was that first journey is learning about money and wealth creation not just income growth the, re the relationship with money, right? Like mm -hmm. your first relationships with money, it's incredible. I never viewed it like that, right? But yeah. you told me like you have to look at it that way because whatever you're taught at such an early age is how you influence all your thinking with money. Well, with, with money, the, the programming we get as children is embedded by the time we're age seven. So whatever our little kid listening here has heard about money, what words our parents used, what phrases, our little listening ears were embedding those, programming those. What we saw as children, if we saw our parents even arguing over money and fighting over money, then that gets embedded, thinking, man, money must be this really bad thing. Mom's always saying we can't afford it, and then mom and dad are fighting and screaming over this thing called money. And then we're in these situations where maybe they got divorced over money or something, or mom's saying dad's not paying the child support. And just think of all these things when we grow up, Money just becomes this thing that's scary. It's something.
saying, like, I don't even want to look at this money thing to talk about it. Yeah. I know I need to make money and pay my bills, but if I can just put the money thing out there aside, I'll be okay. So that's why so many people, so many of us, we just fear money and we don't have a relationship with it. And if we do, it's a dysfunctional one. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, we, we adopt these and they're just in our programming from a very young age. And that's why money tends to be such a topic, such a hard topic. And I can't tell you and how many times I hear this. I mean, it's countless times where I work with entrepreneurs and business owners that make really good income. And what I hear on a regular basis is, Christina, I just want to make money. And if I just focus on the money, I don't ever have to talk about it, address about it, stress it, think it, see it. It's just as long as I make enough of it, then all my money problems will be solved. I just have to go make more of it. And that's the relationship most of us have. Yeah, So, and I, and I love that you brought the whole idea of a relationship at least to light to me because, and I told you this before, like before that I just never even thought about it as a, you know, for anything for as a relationship uh, about money. And, and I don't even know that it was bad or good. I just never even thought about that in general, right? Because like I told you before, like my, luckily for me, I, like making money has always been, I don't want to say easy, but it's always like, I know what to do to make it. And so I never respected it. And you did an exercise at your last conference, which I completely, completely vouch for that you should be at the next one. Um, but uh, to, to to write a letter, almost like if you're breaking up with someone, I think that's exactly how you said it, right? Almost like if you broke up with someone and you wanted to write a letter, what would you say? And for me, I was like, I took that to heart. And I usually do take exercises like that to heart because if I'm there, then I might as well just do it, right? Um, and that I started that that uh that letter to my money relationship with like i'm sorry i've never had any respect for you which 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 was kind of true because yeah i've always wanted money and i can spend it like no other but i just felt like i could just make more right and and when does that stop and and i think i've part of the reason that we're here doing what we do now is because because of a relation uh unhealthy relationship with money that i'd never even realized was was a thing right And, and 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 i think about like you know, my mom was an entrepreneur as well too, and she kind of, and my dad as well too. So they always had the attitude of like, you just work harder, right? Like, and we do more. And you know, I remember one time my mom lost like twelve thousand dollars in her just like because she just didn't want to go to the bank and put it, and she just lost her bag. And she was like, it's whatever, right? And I know it's like that's probably somewhat of a good attitude to have because it's like I need to keep going and you know whatever. But at the same time, it's like no, it's not just whatever. Like, there's a lot of hard-earned. Yeah, and <laughs> there's there's like these different archetypes with money, for example. And your archetype, the way you're you're explaining it, is there are these those that actually making money is really easy. And so that becomes the mindset. It's like there's always plenty more where that came from. So the accidental disrespect of it is that, oh, I never have to worry about it because I can just go make it any time I want, yeah. which there's truth to that. But what happens the day you can't? Yeah. So I've always, I had that type of mentality as well. And then I wind up sick in, in, a, in a life crisis, a health crisis, and I can't get up and just go make it for a year. So what happens if you don't have the asset income, if you don't have these other types of money that you've built outside of your own body ability to go out and just make money today? And that's where many of us, especially that find ourselves in a health crisis, it becomes not just a health crisis, it becomes a financial crisis at the same time. And talk about stress. Yeah. Like you're trying to save your life or, or get by or just whatever it takes to, to deal with this health crisis. But now you can't.
can't pay your bills, or now you can't go to work, or now you just, now that becomes a relationship or a marriage crisis. So you yeah. just, it becomes this domino effect of crisis because of our misunderstanding of money and what's required to, to have money in different types when life happens. But now, let me ask you this, does it ever go away, the idea of like, uh, of, uh, of like doubting, right? Because you mentioned that right before. Um, does that ever go away, like no matter how much of a, of a buffer you build for yourself? There might be always a little bit back there, but there's like yes and no. No in the sense that that will probably always exist if we don't have this spiritual relationship with money. So there's just the relationship with money, our relationship to money. And to think of it like a relationship in the sense that if you are in a relationship with a significant other and you don't give her any attention, you don't spend time with her, you put her off, you think of you just take that relationship for granted, and you just are waiting for her to give and give and give and give, yeah. but you're not giving back and spending time, what's going to happen to that relationship? It's just going to, yeah. She's going to go somewhere else, or I call it, it's when your money goes to another lover. <laughs> so what happens, the same thing, that money requires attention, it, it wants attention, respect, love, honor, appreciation, gratitude, that can only happen when we're in a healthy relationship with our money. So when we have that money, it's this beautiful gift that then we appreciate every dollar we have, but instead we focus on what we don't have as opposed to what we do have. We're disenchanted the fact that there's not enough versus being grateful for every dollar that actually comes in and that, that does flow to us. So there's that, there's that type of relationship that's required to build wealth and to build that buffer, like you talk about, only comes out of a healthy relationship where we're giving it attention and we're spending time and, and we know how to manage it and move it and grow it. And let's say that that turns into a significant, you know, liquid cash and a liquid net worth where we have assets and passive income. That's great, but what will happen then, the next part of that journey is what I call the spiritual relationship. Because what can happen, then you have become attached to that then the fear becomes, it used to be the fear of not having it, now it's the fear of losing what it. What if I lose it? Or what if I lose it? So now you're trying to hold on to it. And now that is a whole different type. It's just a tra it's a fear of transfers. Yeah. So the spiritual of it is like, yeah, there's plenty of income through source and be, you know, going out and making it and doing your gifts and, and having that connection. But then it's not being attached to it either. So when you know you're not attached to it and you live your lifestyle in a way that, that you can afford it and, and that it feels good and that it's not so connected to a certain amount that if you were to lose that, then you lose your identity, you lose your self-worth, and you know, then you're in a different type of despair again. So it's this perfect dance really between, yeah, you want to grow it and have it and build that security and to build that future passive income while understanding it is temporary and it's not really ours anyway because we can't take it with us. Yeah. And working on non-attachment. So, as you can tell, that's not. Th I mean, that's not an easy, so easy so relationship or journey. Is there practices that you did for yourself to help you, you know, come? I guess come to that wisdom. Well, the besides wisdom, yeah, the wisdom is lots of life lots lessons, lots of trial and error, and, and and along the way. And I've. You know, so I'll tell you one. I'll, I'll tell you one that, that I've, uh, at along the same times that I met you and that we started talking about money and, and, and hearing and listening to you talk about 
just the relationship with 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 money um there was also a quote that resonated with me of the idea of like how you do anything is how you do everything right and so since then and it, I, I haven't counted but i know it's quite a bit um it's like anytime i see a penny on the floor or like a dime i was like i'm taking that right because oh i'm grabbing that because it, i want to give it some value i want to give it that respect that like it can't just be there like someone worked for those 10 cents right and it's just being thrown to the floor for no reason i want to embrace that that's how i feel about it now but that's also how i feel about it when i have a thousand dollar paycheck or a five thousand dollar paycheck or whatever it is i i now try to feel the same way about it whether it's a penny or or a big paycheck right and so that's kind of like one of those things that i said to myself like i'm gonna make sure that i give equal amount of respect regardless of of the amount relationship means we we love being in the relationship in the the, the the gifts that it brings us and the gifts that we can give the relationship but we can't be afraid of losing that relationship otherwise it brings on a whole different dysfunctional aspect to it and how many people stay in it or try to hold on or all these different things because they're afraid of what if this person left me and yep. that that brings a I don't know this energy to it that's this fear of loss and and holding on that doesn't allow everybody to be Co-type of relationship. Like where unification. If you almost, if yeah. you disappear tomorrow, I'd be very sad and I'd have to pick up my pieces. But if you go tomorrow, I'm going to be okay. I don't want you to go tomorrow. But I want <laughs> sure. to do everything I can that you won't. But it could happen. Yeah, correct. Um, that's really interesting because uh, I've also seen it like in my relationship with people, and I think that that's also improved when I started to respect money a little bit more and and it's weird that because at first i was feeling guilty about tying those two together but then it was like no it's like because it's all the same thing i think money is almost the gateway to spirituality the way so much like the way we move with our money like you said the way we do one thing the way we do everything so money really is it, it, it can be a um it can represent our values so a lot of times i'll say don't tell me what you value. Open up your books and I'll tell you what you value. Yeah. Because how we spend our money is in alignment with what we really value. So if we value status and external, pra like what the external people think of me, then it might show up that I'm overspending on clothing or emblems or a certain car or a certain this. Yeah. So maybe we say we don't care about those things, but our money actually will tell the truth. And that's why I love money because money's a truth teller. And there's so many people I'll say sometimes that even people on stages that are, you know, they're saying, okay, make a seven-figure business or eight-figure business, or they're out, they're up there on stage as the expert, and I'm saying, let me see your books, <laughs> and let's then see who should be on stage in a way. It's so easy to hype up these things, and at the end of the day, a lot of people are great at making money, but they're actually one paycheck from being broke. Yeah, th and... And I think that you experience that, especially like, well, I don't want to say especially, but it does happen as as a startup, right? Because you're always like, 
balancing that area of like, oh, we made a lot of money, but like, oh, now we we're talking about managing inventory, mm -hmm. right? Um, how would you correlate that relationship with money with like managing inventory? Well, the, the key word is managing. So, and it's, it, it's a dance. So you're watching your inventory. You're doing your best to say, okay, this is, and based on historical evidence and then looking out in the future as opposed as to, okay, historically we've needed this much inventory, but we look some growth coming up. So growth, we might have to make a few decisions and do some investment or, but the key is, is the management is to be aware versus getting caught with your pants down like, oh shit, we're out of inventory. We have nothing to sell. Why? Because we weren't paying attention yeah. with the data, with looking and keeping track. So inventory, that's what it's like, how many, how many supplement bottles do we have on, yeah. on the shelf? And how many have we sold in the past and how many? So with money, that's the, that's that type of relationship with your inventory, for example. But if you're not paying attention, you're not managing it, you're going to find yourself in a situation where it's, there's, not an, there's not the inventory there which you need it. Yeah. Well, because I guess you can look at trends too, right, with like, inc or at least income or revenue, right, I, and, and then plan ahead, right? And I think that that's one thing that we've learned from one year to, for, to year two. Um, but um, so let's, let's go a little bit further back. You got started with Keller Williams or that was just part of your journey? That's where I started back okay. at the very beginning when I started real estate sales in 1996. I started with Keller before anybody even knew who Keller was at yeah. the time. So tell me about that because I, I know that, that he was a big, big influence on you, right? Like Gary was a huge influence on me from a young age. He really taught me how to think like a business person where what historically real estate agents sold houses and made commissions but they didn't have the proven things in terms of how to operate a business. And business, there's business fundamentals and there's these different concerns, these different parts of businesses. The business person, you treat it differently than just out selling houses. So if I sell some houses and I make a few commissions, I put it in my personal bank account and then I'm just always in that game of putting whatever commissions come in in my bank account and just waiting for the next sale and, and just living off of the next sale and the next sale. As a business, it's like, no, I need to actually do some projections, perform, I have a marketing plan, maybe look at staff, some capital, what am I going to do, what's my marketing plan or strategy for how much money I, I want to earn based on revenue, what are my expenses, how am I managing it, what are my cost of sales, and ultimately what's my profit and profit margin, and that profit then, how do I move that into my personal bank account and manage my personal finances, make sure that I take off profit first in my personal books to make sure that I'm investing. And so that's a business mindset. And what I teach in the concept of money, especially to my business owners, is that it, it's, it's one of those things, too, that, that once we learn these things, it becomes pretty obvious. But I work with all these business owners and entrepreneurs that they're business people in their business, but then business stops there. No, when we, when we operate our business as a business person, a business person looks at their financials. They have a profit and loss. They're looking at their cash flow statement. They may or may not have a balance sheet. You have a balance sheet based on inventory, so you need to be looking at that balance sheet in your inventory, your cash, these different elements of your business financials. And financials are data points. Again, I find it fascinating that there's all these marketing companies. We have our dashboard of all these important metrics attached to revenue. Well, you need your, your financial statements are a source of data and metrics also. So you can say how much revenue is coming in based on what we projected would come in. How are these two connecting? Are we hitting our targets or not? Because we, we've created this, these expenses that we run to produce a certain amount of revenue. 
We shouldn't have any expenses on our books that aren't attached to revenue. Yet we're just by this or by that. We're not paying attention so that we can look at the profit margin we're after. And then we're always looking at our financials to help us make decisions based on historical data and projections and managing these different pieces of it. But ultimately, from our business, if we're looking at our financials, we're looking, okay, this is the amount of profit we made this month, this year. Now, how are we moving that money to our personal account? And then what I teach is like, your household is your business. It is absolutely a business. And the, the myth or what I call really the big fat lie is everybody's focused on revenue. Everybody's focused on their business. And the business, your business business is just an income source. Your household's business is your wealth source. You make income in your business. You move it to your household business. How you manage your household finance as your own household CFO and move and manage that money swiping profit off the fir off the top and living more or less on what's left over and simplifying it that's your household business that's how you get wealthy you get wealthy at how good you are at household finance not business finance business finance is just the income stream and just one income stream when you're great at household finance then you're starting to build your personal balance sheet and buy assets then those assets become mini businesses in a way and now you're managing even more businesses so if you look at my financial life as a whole, I have like 10 businesses. I have my main business is my income stream, my working income called Wealthy Wealthy. But then I have my other assets, my real estate investments and other assets on my balance sheet that those are different cash flows or opportunities and different streams of revenue outside of my business. So I'm looking at my household business as a means to buy assets by not spending it all <laughs> so that I have this full balance sheet or portfolio of net worth and, and cash flow that comes from my business business and comes from other assets, non-working income. And ultimately, the game of financial freedom is how we take, make great income, like really get the revenue and profit off in our, in our business, but then we take a portion to buy assets and let those assets produce non-working income to the date that we do have a health crisis or we're tired or want to do a pivot or that type of thing our assets pay our bills and our business doesn't have to. And that's the game of financial freedom. That's awesome. Happy October, Vitamizers. The October special on the Slenderella website is Brain Candy. This is an incredible brain stimulating supplement. It's a stack of capsules served in daily packets so you don't need to portion them out yourself. And for October only in celebration of Halloween, we're doing a 20% off Brain Candy Dailies special. So when you're on our website, go ahead and check out using the code CANDY20 and you'll save 20% on any Brain Candy stack that you purchase. I will also link to that in the description of this podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. And I, and I love the analogy of having like, like your, I guess your, your home being also your business, right? Like managing that business because a lot of times people and I imagine a lot of listeners is like, well, you know, I, I like having my job and my nine to five and, and making my income and that could be a great income or it could not be a great income. And, and so it's almost like, so I don't, I, I can't correlate that to like running a business, but it's like, but you should, like you can. Yeah, like because if you're a W-2, you're a W-2 from nine to five, but you're a business person. You could be one badass business person in your household business, the, the business of creating long-term wealth that just same thing, like how am I taking a portion of my W-2 income to build my business, which is my asset base. And 
all uh, a lot of that that's a that's a better strategy for a lot of people like there's so much i don't know like i'm an entrepreneur and i'm like almost superior that if you know who would do that w2 job thing and there's a lot of risk to that right and yeah. and there's ups and downs and it's not for everyone and many times cash flow is really tight and you give away a lot up front especially in your startup phase of your business you're you know you're kind of you're you're living off some beans and rice so that means while you're building your business as a business owner slash entrepreneur it's going to delay in most cases your ability to build your your net worth business your balance sheet business as opposed to a w-2 have a great job you can start it immediately yeah, so because you, you know what to, to expect you, you know what to expect you have the income right away you're not putting all that income back in in your business and so many times it can be a complete acceleration of the w-2 without the risk and i have a lot of couples for example where let's say in a more traditional sense i'll speak with a lot of women clients of mine that before they have children they're making great incomes and and they want to make great incomes and they like being a financial equal in the marriage but they also want to raise their kids. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. Again, when you when there's two roles, let's say in a household, is is um, a husband wife in a traditional, you know, what would otherwise be, let's say, which is just more of a traditional case, that to make the point is that let's say the husband's out making it, he's like traveling or he's doing whatever he's doing, he's making income. That's great. He's just an income source. Then you, my beautiful woman client, you be the wealth creator of the household business so he can make the income but what you're doing with the income you're becoming a badass investor at home from your computer doing these different things by learning some investing skills and that and now you build the net worth and so this can be this incredible partnership between couples assuming one wants to stay stay and it's like you're in a game together and you're in the game together it's like you go make the income honey i'm gonna make us rich (laughs) that's awesome I, I, i like hearing that that that's a that's a in really interesting way to see it because sometimes there's a c- disconnect, right? Like, well, he does his thing, I do my thing, and, and then we don't really do things together, right? Like, as far as, like, building the wealth. And there's, there's, when there's financial inequality, that can actually create a lot of fear. It can create dependency. It can create these other things that aren't necessarily healthy for both of one of the partners. But when, especially when people are married and they can look at their household as an ability to create wealth together as business partners in the household, exponentially grow wealth being in that type of relationship with money in your household business. Be romantic and do your romantic dinner dates and, and romance on the side, but when it comes to the finance piece, this is serious business and, and we're going to build this together. And we can even build it in that relationships, you know, since we live a long time, maybe we have more than one marriage during our lifetime since we live a long time. That can be decided up front is if we build these assets together, let's go ahead and decide today while we're getting married, before we start these things, if, if we were to split, how are we going to split up these assets? Let's be very pragmatic about it. We're going to go full-on growth, and we're going to have a backup plan, just like you would would or probably should do in a, in a business-business partnership, is that we're gung-ho. We, as business partners, want to make a go of this. And if it doesn't work out, let's go ahead and have a separation agreement built in at the beginning so that if it doesn't, you can go your way and I can go my way. We can do a handshake, and we're both better off by virtue of have done these things together as opposed to have we not done it at all. Relationships have a cycle, and sometimes they can complete. So all of this money thing can be very pragmatic and pre-thought, and I call it like Wealthy Wealthy. Really what it is, it's a brand. It's a lifestyle design company. 
know, it's about designing our life with it, this somewhat of an end in mind. We're not creating the there where we're always after the there and missing the journey. But it's lifestyle architecture, lifestyle design. Like, what is a good life? What is a wealthy, wealthy life? How much money is enough? And who is our partnership, our partnerships, moving in this journey that we want to move in this journey together? But we can't, if we don't know where we're going, how are we ever going to get close to what we, what we want or what we dream of? That we need to articulate those and have some clarity as a general destination and direction. Yeah, well, I think that relationships and partnerships are, it's kind of a catch-22 because you need them in order to gain experience. And one of the things that you always have taught me and made me realize is that you're going to have ups and downs in business and people consider them like downs, failures sometimes, right? I don't I don't know necessarily if I say failures, it's more like their experiences, right? That's how you learn because there's no one that's ever been successful with a straight arrow getting to the top. And so when you partner with people it's it's like a, a marriage it's easy to get in but it's hard to get out but when you do if you're civil and you have good ethics and morals whatever you present as a person if you're up front you can take something from that relationship that business partnership and move it towards the next thing i mean serial entrepreneurs and serial startups that's all they do is like let me reinvest and i turn around and sell it and i go do it all over again right and so someone told me the other day when it, the secret to basically successful businesses managing people Right, so you manage your finances, you manage your relationships, you manage your mentality about your approach to wealth. Right, the idea that you can say, "I deserve this, I want this," and if you say it over and over again, then eventually it becomes true. Baldur's taught me that as well. There's plenty of times he's like, "Just meditate on it, like just put it out there." Absolutely. Right. It's it works though, right? Absolutely does. And this flow of the give and receive, give and receive, which is a universal law that that I get carbon dioxide and the plants give me oxygen. And so it, it's it's always to give and receive. But some people just give, 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 give until they have nothing left to give and then they're exhausted or burn out or they're just like they have nothing else. And you know, some people are just takers. They'll just take, take, take. But the, the beauty of relationships is the give, receive, give, receive and the dance between and being good with both, wanting to give and wanting to receive in, in that type of relationship. And the, the fundamental mistakes I see entrepreneurs make is what I just said is they either they've just focused on revenue and they're not managing the total cash flow and managing the business as a business through their financial statements, for example. So they're just about making more money and ultimately they don't even know how much money they are or aren't making at the end of the day. And then they and then they don't do that same methodology in the same way or or even if they do manage their books very well in their business life they're not doing it in their personal life yep. so that's those are two mistakes the third mistake is entrepreneurs then put all their money back into the business so it's that cycle of they're not building their balance sheet outside of their business yep. they're just paying themselves what they can live off of then everything goes back into the business thinking if I get to some point that that will stop and ultimately that just becomes this, the death cycle of again you just reach a place of burnout and you don't have any nest egg over here on the side or anything else that is the, the infrastructure or the leverage beyond just your business 
Yeah. I, I one of the things that going back to when we left ACL and we, we were talking about, you know, our conversation. I it was funny, I told Balda, I said, I get what Christina was telling me at one point. She's like, You don't become wealthy off your income. And it was such a bold statement and so unique because I was like, Wait, that makes sense if you think about it because yeah, when you have money that comes in and you know how to create money, you always know how to create more money. You won't ever really be broke from the fact that you can't provide for yourself. Just the idea of how do you hang on to that and what do you do with that money, right? So building assets, building true wealth, uh, something that is very hard to take away from you, right, is something that is built for longevity. And we're all trying to figure out whether people invest in stocks, they invest, uh, you know, invest in bonds. Crypto is like a new thing right now. I was talking to a guy this morning. He was like, yeah, I could have done this deal and I missed out and blah, blah, blah. So everyone has their role. But it's funny because I started talking, well, you should look at whole life insurance because, I mean, long term, like that's a steady thing. And I remember I heard that from your seminar. And then now I'm thinking like, all right, if I pay myself something, it's going towards bills. What is the build is the business going to build that we could parlay into something long term like could we can turn that to like a building that we own, right? And all of a sudden now our clinic has another room that it can rent out to someone else and now it's like a duplex that pays your mortgage, right? Yeah. You know, so so looking at it that way, it's funny because the honest truth is, and you've seen this, CEOs and entrepreneurs, they just because they have a million dollar business doesn't mean they're millionaires, no. right, at all, no. right? And you. You've seen the finances. You've seen the way it works. I mean, you've been there. You, you're doing it right now. And it's funny because we've always told ourselves, you know, reinvest. You know, reinvest into the company. Reinvest, like you said. I've heard people say, pay yourself first, right? Because when it's all said and done, like, you pay everyone else to grow yourself. And at one point, it takes you to the next step where you're like, okay, now I have a whole new set of problems, but at least my income's higher, right? And I asked, I think Balder asked you. It's like, well, how long does it take before you say that you kind of made it? or at least you can step back and take a breather. I mean, when you start a business, I don't even know if there's a time frame for that anymore, right? No, I mean, what, what I've always looked at is that a startup lasts for five years. Yeah. Sometimes people hit it out of the park right away, but a startup is a five-year journey when you're starting something new. It's your trial and erring, and things you think are going to work aren't work out, and then that five to seven years is really the – in general, what I found from my own experience, that five to seven, that's the telltale of is this going to really work or not? Yeah. And that's the place. And after seven years, then it's like, all right, I think we've got this. We figured it out. We've hit our spot. And now it's just managing different problems yeah. and growth and that type of thing. Yeah. And that, and I think <laughs> all that told me, he said, yeah, I'll give you seven years for this whole deal. And I know that it could possibly get to that point where seven years hits the mark and maybe we have an opportunity to sell. But we talked about it too. It's like, what if we decide to hold on to it? And the weird thing is you have to have someone who thinks long-term. And the long-term aspect is investing in to build wealth, right? Like not buying that expensive whatever you think you need, saving for it and saying like, you know what, I can get by with this until one day like my asset turned around and bought that watch for me or whatever I needed to do. Ultimately, if your asset can buy the Rolex and your income doesn't buy your Rolex, then it's just a complete different way of managing and moving and looking at your money. And the, the, like the entrepreneur game, I like to really look at this five to seven year. The investing game is a 20 year play. So building wealth is 20 years. So yeah, you're looking at this over the long term. 
And when we're looking at businesses, there's really only two types of business strategies. And they're both around this world word, word called assets. So like on all these conversations, I say these are the most important money words that nobody ever talks about. The first word is asset. Like where's the word asset in the day-to-day conversation about money? You never hear it. You never hear it. And that is the most important word. Asset, compound interest, and passive income. Those are the three most important money words that nobody's ever talking about. Or if they do, they really don't know what they mean. They don't have the definition. It's like I know, I know those words are there, right? It's, and it's, that's, that's interesting, yeah. So the two types of business strategies, ultimately, I mean, I'm simplifying, but the takeaway is, is that there's a business strategy for exit. Mm-hmm. And that's exit strategy number one, under meaning you're building your business specifically with a business strategy and business plan with the intention to exit. Sell the business for $10 million, and then what do you do with that $10 million? Do you go spend it? No. Pro- that probably wouldn't be a very good idea. No. No, you're going to put that $10 million to buy some, I don't know, apartment complex, wherever you're going to put no. that money to be able then to live off hopefully the cash flow of that sure. exit asset income. But that's, your, that's setting your business up as an asset to sell. So that's that business strategy. Risky, in my opinion, because what if you spend all that time, energy, and money to build that asset that's not sellable, or you don't, or you sell it in a fraction, which is usually the case. Yeah. And sometimes there's really big wins, which is really awesome, also. Yeah. But that's that business strategy, meaning the business is an asset to sell with that type of exit strategy. There's another type of business strategy, and that's called a cash flow business strategy. So my strategy has been build really great cash flow businesses, meaning I have a really nice profit margin and cash that comes from that business. Now, I move that high cash flow business, let's say I'm making a million dollars a year profit, I move that to my household business. Now I'm taking 20, 30, 40% straight off the top to put into my net worth assets. And that's an assets on my balance sheet. So I'm building those assets and my exit strategy is to live off the income of those assets. So no matter if I sell my business or don't sell my business, when I'm ready to say, all right, enough of that one, all my bills are paid because my exit strategy is to build my net worth on my on that other side, personal balance sheet, not through my business. Then if I sell my business or something or I want to keep going, that's just gravy. So that's more diversified and to me I think far less risky and that's a long-term play. So you play that game for 20 years. And if you sell your business, then you just get there quicker. Sure. So it's just understanding like what strategy am I in? I'm just like, I just want to generate great cash flow businesses with great profit and let, let me just go build my net worth. Let yeah. me go build and buy those assets. And for me, where I just love, like some people love to buy cars and watches and clothes. I'm okay. I mean, sure, why not? But what gets me excited is I love buying assets. Give me just real estate that I can go buy. I mean, oh, that's just so much fun. And then I just have that piece of real estate. And not even that, I can go drive by it, I can touch it, and then with those ca- that, that true passive income cash flow from those assets that goes into my personal bank account, I savor that money so much better than my hardworking income in yep. my business. Yeah, you do. So it's just a different strategy. So when you know what strategy you're in, it's like, all right, got it. Now I can go do that strategy over this one or, or try for both. And I'm just blown away because every time, like I said, I talk to you, I learn something new. But it's true, like the idea – of building wealth doesn't start with the idea of not only just saying know where your money's coming from, 
what your approach is to it and then what to do with it. I mean, it's, it's you have to have this whole holistic approach to it, just like health and wellness, right? You sleep right, you eat right, uh, you, you know, you get better hydration. But you also talk about, you know, just planting the seeds, little buckets, and seeing how they grow. And I know we could sit here and talk to you forever about this. And I wish we more could. <laughs> we, yeah, because it would be great. But, you know, just in this short time frame, like, we've been able to, like, learn something new. And hopefully everyone covers a lot when it comes to just their approach to what is your financial relationship like with money. Yeah, you probably listened to this episode a couple of times, too. Yeah. yeah two times. One other thing, you know, if we close this up or to close it up, is to remember that our bodies don't know what happened. And that's what I had to learn the hard way, is that no Christine, no healthy Christina, no making money, no enjoying the money that I have made, even with all those assets. When I was on my deathbed, I was like, who cares about the money? I'm dying, or all that stuff, <laughs> all that hard work. So in this, money is as holistic as medicine is. And <laughs> so uh, when we can understand it as a holistic approach, and that's part of why we're doing these healthy happy hours, yes. yep. is because we have to take care of our body as our number one asset and get our nice yeah. IV treatments at MSW, yeah. the best vitamin IV <laughs> town, and with my besties here on either side of me. And then for me, that's what I wanted to do. It's like part of wellness is, an, is financial wellness. The money is an important piece. But relationships, I love you too. Like how important yeah. is love yeah. in health and happiness? And so having these opportunities to connect and relate and spend time together instead of behind our computer and just grinding, grinding, grinding. So there's the love piece, which is such medicine and such a part of this. And then what are we doing as these hardworking entrepreneurs and go-getters and type A personalities and we're working our asses off and we're doing all these things. What are we doing to love ourselves, to regenerate, to put the love back in us? And so that's why we're doing this is so we can say, hey, let's talk business, let's talk money, let's build deep, awesome relationships and let's uh, plug in and make sure we're- Let's vitamin out. I, I know, I'm so excited um, about this. Before yeah. we open up the doors to everyone else, um, where can they find you? Um, what are your, what are your, yeah, where can they find you with the website? Yeah, easiest way is Christina.com, K-R-I-S-S-T-I-N-A.com. And if anybody wants a free 30 minute money consultation, coaching, call, therapy session, whatever you want to call it, just uh, Christina.com forward slash Paul. And I'd love happy to sit with somebody in 30 minutes just to see how we're doing, getting sure. our financial checkup. Yeah, 30 minutes, it's going to be well worth your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.